Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is The Finch Show and I am James Finch. Uh, today's kind of a cool podcast. My guest who's coming out, his name is Ann Briggs, uh, otherwise known as Ann of All Trades, who is extremely active on social media and has an interesting story where uh, her and her husband lived in Seattle, were doing some urban farming and decided that if they were going to do homesteading, they were going to go all in. So they bought a farm in Tennessee, moved there, had been rehabbing it, rehabbing it and continuing to build and God, the amount of content that she puts out on social media is just great. Um, she's always lively, always positive, always in a great mood. Um, we talked about that in the podcast. And everything from how to make pickled this to how to make a dovetail this to how to grow your own this. Um, some just great, great, great stuff. I, I Even if it's something you're not into, I recommend checking it out because you'll definitely enjoy it. Um, because she does a lot of woodworking... It's a good segue into talking about the sponsor of the podcast, which is Blackstar Woodcrafts. And my buddy Scott, who is the owner and operator of the business, um, has a, his woodworking shop at his home up in Michigan. And I can't even begin to describe how great the products is that he does. Um, we have several things in our house that he has made for us that are absolutely great. Um, he does cutting boards, bath caddies. I have this really cool pen that he made for me. We have this like bottle topper that goes on an open bottle of wine you have to take the cork out and it's like a metal cone with concentric rubber circles on it and then at the top of it he has this really neat grooved wood top that he's polished and stained and sealed in this like swirly blue pattern it's absolutely beautiful sometimes i want to open up a bottle of wine just to be able to use it because it's so cool um he also does rings the wedding bands that both me and my wife have he made where it's a metal ring with a wood inlay that is engraved and then he polished it and sealed it and they look really really awesome i cannot stress enough how great it would be for you to go check him out blackstar woodcrafts facebook instagram check it out there send him a message directly through there he'll get back to you um you're running out of time for christmas believe it or not and you know because some of the stuff takes time to make the time to contact him is now go do it do not wait do not hesitate and because he's a sponsor of this podcast, if you go there and say you got there through the Fin Show, you will get 15% off your order. So go do it. Go check it out. Now that's out of the way. I will not talk anymore. Let's get into the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Here is Anne of All Trades. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here. Uh, Anne is here, otherwise known as Anne of All Trades. And uh, once again, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, we we had a little snafu where we started the podcast and then everything glitched because we're all getting trying to get used to this whole Zoom technology circumstances here in the New World Order. But we're back and we're giving this thing a second go. So uh, once again, thanks for coming on. Um, I had asked you this sort of the story in... Based upon what you said, even though, you know, the listeners aren't going to hear that, I, I guess I want to go back a little bit and ask. So <laughs> did you start off in Asia then originally? Uh, so my parents are uh, missionaries. They have been my entire oh, life. Okay. 
And so we spent a lot of my young life abroad in various places. Um, and so we had actually spent a lot of my really young life um, going back and forth between Eastern Europe, Ukraine, Austria, Czech Republic, um, doing some uh, relief efforts after Chernobyl and those kinds of things. And so, um, yeah, we, we traveled a lot and that kind of gave me a very globally focused mindset. So when it came time, well, in high school, I went on uh, with a with a missions team to Taiwan, and I realized that I just like really, really loved it there. And so after um, high school, I was like, I kind of want to move to Asia. So I went to university, and I found a, a program that would that would allow me to go there. And so I spent some time at Peking University in Beijing, China. And then after I graduated from university, I went to um, basically a seminary program in Taipei and that is what led me to just absolutely loving it there. And um, I, I took Chinese all through school. And so I was very excited about a bilingual biblical studies program that would definitely uh, solidify my Chinese language skills because I, I mean, did you know that there's 26 different words for locust in the Chinese language? No, but I do now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, so that was, uh, funnily enough, not really the biblical things uh, as much were, uh, good night, I can't speak English, apparently, but the biblical th things were not nearly as exciting to me as solidifying my uh, Chinese knowledge. But then, as it turns out, I absolutely loved the historical context of all of those classes and everything like that and got real nerdy real quick about uh biblical history and turned out to totally love that as well. So that was really fun. Um, but where we got cut off is <laughs> that uh, Adam, uh, my husband now, he had been my best friend since I was 15. We'd played together in various bands um, and just done a lot of music together. And I'd, I've loved music my whole life and he's an incredible musician. And so it seemed like a perfect match. Um, I came back to Seattle and was expecting to be there for like six months while we figured stuff out. And then that six months turned into a lot longer than that. But ultimately, um, I really wanted to farm. And we had a little trial farm in Seattle. But when we had the opportunity to purchase more acreage and get to a little bit more rural setting, if you will, um, even though we actually, you know, we, we still have to be quite close to a city because Adam's job requires them to be close to a city and also I travel all the time for work not right now obviously <laughs> uh, but in 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 regular times I try to and I also go back and forth to Asia a lot so we need to be close enough to an airport that it's not ridiculous to be able to travel okay okay what um, where did the I guess I should say the want to farming come from was any of that in your background at all no, um, not at all. But it kind of was the far opposite of what we had, like what I'd grown up with. Um, so because we traveled so often, we couldn't have animals um, or anything growing up. And so I had always said, if I'm ever going to live in America, I'm going to have a farm and I can have as many animals as I want. And so I did. And now, and now here you are. <laughs> Filled with regret. Just kidding. Yes. So, um, so you're in Tennessee. Yes. I bought a farm in Tennessee. And the idea from what I understand behind it wasn't necessarily just, hey, I want to buy a farm because somebody could go and buy a farm that comes with barn and combines and all that kind of stuff and just get rolling. But you kind of went old school. 
Oh, yes. Well, going old school is definitely my MO for lots of things, but I am very obsessed with history, hence the biblical history stuff. And um, I've always just loved to see how things work mechanically. Um, and so, and I'll back up from that in a minute, but really I love the old ways of doing everything because it, it makes sense to me. Um, and I have a few learning, learning disability, disabilities or like I learn differently than some people. And so um, being able to just physically see and touch and be part of the process has always been really fascinating to me. And so that's what initially, by the way, if you hear all that shaking, that's my dog just doing whatever it is that he's doing to make sure that he gets his airtime on the podcast, probably breathing heavily in my ears shortly. Um, but yeah, uh, so so I got into hand tool woodworking specifically because I was just really interested in not necessarily overcoming the wood, but working with the wood and learning how, you know, people for hundreds of years had built furniture that would last for hundreds of years. Yeah, that's, I, I think about that a lot. And that's interesting that you say that. My, uh, my background, when I was in college, I was a history major um, and spent a lot of time um, specifically on American history. And a lot of times I get in my head, you know, we, we get so used to sort of like the modern trappings of society that we have. And then you, you sit down and you think, gosh, how would somebody 150 years ago have dealt with this? Because you'll think about it, like out here in rural Illinois, you'll get in your car and you'll drive nine miles to, you know, another village and it takes less than 10 minutes. And you think to yourself, 150 years ago, if you got like three feet of snow, you probably wouldn't even leave the house for two weeks, Yeah, you know? And just like you said, you know, if your screwdriver breaks, you're not just going to swing down to Walmart and buy another one. You yeah. know, you had, you had to find those workarounds. So that's one of the things that I find incredibly fascinating about um, your YouTube channel and a lot of the Instagram stuff that you post is that it, it kind of gets into that level of sort of stuff. And, and I, I guess one of the things that leads me into my next question is, um, do you drink coffee and how much? Because... <laughs> The amount of energy that you have on a daily basis and some of the amount, the, I guess I should say the sure amount of content that you post, I think to myself, oh my gosh, she's just like going 24 seven. Well, there are some caveats to that, but yes, I do love coffee a lot. I started drinking coffee when I was three years old um, and my dad is a huge coffee snob. In fact, we started roasting coffee together in his garage. Like, I don't know, I must have. I think I remember starting at like eight or nine years old. And then ironically, um, when I got to Taiwan, uh, it, my, I had a family that kind of like adopted me there um, and I got very close with them, but they operated a coffee roaster. And so then I got to learn it all in Chinese and got to get just extra snobby about it. And it was, I, 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 love, I love all that stuff. So yes, there is a lot of coffee involved, but also there's other, two other things that I think like not a lot of people see with that is that first of all, um, I struggle pretty greatly with anxiety and depression. And um, so it's very important to me to put off a, a positive demeanor and to encourage people to look for the joy and the little things and those kinds of things. Uh, because, you know, knowing how low some things can go, I definitely like to stay on the, the more positive side and be encouraging um, for, pe for people to do the same thing as much as possible. Um, but also I have been creating content for eight years. And so there's definitely a lot of resurfacing of old stuff or repurposing of old stuff all the time too. So um, because the internet is the machine that it is and it constantly wants to be fed, 
there right. is a lot of that going on as well. So definitely I'm not operating at a superhuman level. In fact, it's really one of my biggest frustrations in life is that because of some of the struggles that I have, like oftentimes my body will not cooperate to do what I know to be possible in a day or a week or whatever else. And so as much as people looking on may, may be like, oh my gosh, you do so much. It's actually that I'm doing such a variety of things all the time to try to like keep my interest and attention and everything at as a peak level as possible. But it's really, uh, it, it's productivity is definitely a huge frustration of mine because I just, I know it's possible. And when I can't achieve that, it's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, gosh, I think it's that way. That's so great that you say that because I think that's kind of a common thing. So many people struggle with that. Um, even people, you know, such as myself who doesn't own a farm. And a lot of times I think to myself, oh, that project in the backyard, yeah, that'll be good. I'll get up early Saturday morning. I'll have that thing knocked out by noon. And then by 7 p.m. Sunday night, you're frustrated and just want to, you know, burn the whole thing down. And you're like, why isn't, mm, mm, okay, yeah. Yeah, That. so that's, I 100% appreciate what you're saying. Um, but that goes into one of the things that I've heard you say repeatedly, and I absolutely love this, is the term figure out ability. Oh, yeah. Which is so great. But I will let you explain that more because you're the master and not me. Okay. Well, I love uh, creating words. And figure outable is a word that happened while I was stumbling over a whole bunch of other words one time while we were creating a YouTube video and it kind of just stuck because it really exemplifies everything that I'm trying to do because you know like you you asked if I had farming in my background like absolutely not and there has been a whole lot of figuring out that has had to happen and I've made some huge mistakes things that have been like heartbreaking and have made me feel like a bad steward and you know all kinds of things um it's so like there is definitely so much joy that's brought from farming but also a ton of um frustration and and disappointment in myself and and things like that um but I've really found that especially if you're interested in, in fixing rather than replacing things and learning how to do things yourself, like really, 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 um, aside from computer and technology things, which you have already experienced with me, uh, <laughs> anything is, is, is really figure out a bull. And so that's, that's kind of the message that I want to show people is like, I don't expect anyone else to uh, buy a farm and be interested in like early 1700s tools, and then also want to fix their ATVs and supersize, supercharge their golf cart and uh, restore old trucks and start a woodworking school and, you know, train miniature donkeys to pull a plow. But I, what I hope to show people through everything that I produce is that whatever it is that you're facing or whatever it is that you're wanting to do, uh, it's totally figure outable. I mean, I don't know anything about electricity, but now I've wired multiple buildings. Um, and you, I don't, I can't explain, I don't even know how to, how an engine really works, but I figured out how a carburetor works while I was fix, fixing my ATV because I was using a leaf blower to start a fire. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly how a carburetor must work. And then that gave me the information I needed to, uh, to figure out how to fix my ATV. Absolutely. Well, it, it's such a great lesson because I think a lot of times um, we either get fear of failure or anxiety that comes with attempting to step out of our comfort zone. Sure. And I think that most people don't realize that if you just do it, you'll do it, you know? And there's definitely going to be failures along the way. I mean, I, you know, you've mentioned being there, I've been there. And 
anybody who's ever achieved any kind of success will tell you that the path to success is not a straight arrow. You know, you're Absolutely you're gonna you're gonna hit those things along there at times. You think about you know even throughout history and even in our time, some of the greats they will tell you how many times they felt like giving up, like they felt like this just isn't working. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to th think of something else to do. But they just you know kept plugging away at it, and just as you said, they figured out <laughs> how to do it, how to make it work. So that's one of the things that I think I enjoy um, the most out of. Uh, you on social media and your YouTube channels. There's just kind of that that enthusiasm for, you know, come on, let's do it. You'll figure it out. Look what I did. I didn't know what I was doing. I figured it out. And I think that that's a really, really great, really great lesson for people. I think uh, too, the older that people get, the more, um, the more afraid to fail that they become because there is increasingly more at stake. And if there's anything that I, if, if I could do one thing, it would be to encourage people that like, that the mistakes or the failures that we would tend to beat ourselves up over about um, are not nearly as, as big of failures as, as I think that they feel like at the time. And so, yeah, just seeing people try things for the first time, like, of course, you're like, the hardest thing and and for me to kind of um, come to terms with being someone who puts stuff on social media and having a growing following is that I hate it when people see where I'm at eight years in and want to compare their beginnings to that um, and, and, and want to measure their beginnings up to that. And so um, actually, I, I love reading. So I, I, I have I read like a lot of books, but there was one self-help book recently that I read that said, don't ever compare your beginning to someone else's middle or someone else's end. And that really stuck with me because, yeah, just because of what I just said, it's just, it, it is so deflating and so defeating to try to start where someone else already is, because that's certainly, you're, that's certainly not where they started. Like if you're getting into DIY projects, like maybe instead of trying a dovetailed cabinet, you put up some string lights for Christmas, because if you've never hung string lights, like that's, that, that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. And that's, that's actually interesting. Cause in a lot of ways, um, there, there was a funny story actually how I came across you in the first place. So I'm one of those people who has this problem where I have way too many hobbies. I just keep picking up new hobbies and keep doing them. And I can't uh, relate. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I had decided several months ago that um, blacksmithing was something that I was interested in. I have zero background in it. I had never done it before. Um, I really, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I really got into watching that show, uh, Forged in Fire, I believe on the History Channel. And nice. I thought to myself, like, okay, like I, I recognize that these guys who are doing it have years of experience doing it, but all of them, I shouldn't say all of them, a lot of them would talk on the show about their earliest beginnings, about how, you know, they would just... They basically learned how to build a cold forge and went and bought, you know, files at the hardware store and learned how to make them into knives. And I thought, okay, I could kind of start there. So I got on the internet and I was trying to figure out what I needed just as the bare basics to be able to start my own like blacksmith shop in my garage, which led me stumbling onto one of your videos about... I think you were you had like an old building there on the farm that you were repurposing into mm -hmm. um, a blacksmith shop. Yeah, and, and then and then I just had kind of ended up going down the Anne of All Trades rabbit hole, where I just sat there for hours watching video after video after video, and so then I I looked you up on Instagram 
and I saw that your profile was already being followed by a friend of mine named Scott, who lives in Michigan, has a woodworking shop. We're really close friends. His business, Blackstar Woodcrafts, is also the sponsor of this podcast. And I messaged him. I said, hey, are you found the sand of all trades? And he just, the guy would not shut up. He was like, oh my God, she is amazing. You got to follow her, watch everything she's ever put out. And so that's how we ended up in this position, because I ended up following you for a while. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'll send her a message and see if she'd be willing to come on the podcast. And so here we are. Um, but that's... Well, you speak far too highly of me and <laughs> my content is really not that bingeable. So I, well, <clears throat> I guess in a lot of ways in, in, in that sense, it sort of depends upon what you're into. You know, everybody True. has that kind of stuff. My, my wife is a computer programmer and she will sit there for hours looking at lines of code and it just makes me want to <laughs> die inside. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, experienced a similar uh, reaction with oh, what really? my husband does as well. Oh, Okay. So yeah, I, I feel you 100%. But um, I, the interest, and I know that it wasn't Corona related, but I, it, I kind of laughed when I thought that there's a lot of people I know who took on projects throughout the course of Corona, but you're the only person that I've seen who decided to build a barn. And that's oh, yeah. really, really awesome. How's that coming along? Well, uh, thanks to Corona, not nearly as swimmingly as one would hope. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing is everyone like kind of saw me start building it right as the pandemic happened. But the real truth of the matter is, is that hindsight is 2020, which is quite applicable since it, since it is 2020. Uh, but I had purchased a pack, a building package prior to the pandemic. And then I had eight years of savings sitting in my lawn and uh, then had to do something about it or just like watch it rot. Mm -hmm. um, and so that has produced a whole lot of stress and some gray hairs in the middle of a pandemic, uh, like financially and otherwise, because, you know, being a content creator, a lot of the things that were that I was planning to do with that building had Previously, we had contracts uh, in the works for, for a lot of that stuff to be sponsored, and uh, I was so, you know, planning on that. And then um, because of various things, like one of the sponsors had to stop producing the thing that they were going to provide for the build because they're now doing um, hospital relief stuff, which is, like, good for them, and that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, like, and I'm, I would rather they be doing that than providing me free materials for my building project anyway. Um, but because of all that, and also because, you know, originally I was planning on having a big crew, we were going to do it really quickly, and the school would be open in May of 2020. Uh, but now, you know, who knows, like, I mean, so what, what ended up happening is that I had, I, a few friends and I, um, my amazing friend Daniel Amick, and uh, another friend Parker Brand, and then one of our other friends, Tim, sometimes comes, sometimes doesn't. But um, Daniel's a farmer and so is Parker. And we kind of looked at it all and we're like, hey, well, I bet the three of us could probably figure out how to do this. And like not full, full disclosure here, not because of me, <laughs> because of Daniel and Parker and their experience. Um, we were able to, you know, with a really small crew, at least get the, the posts set and the trusses set. And then on Friday of, of this week, well, last week, we poured the concrete. And so our goal together was to get the roof on. And even that we were hoping to get the roof on by August. Um, but here we are in November and uh, we're not there yet. Anyway, very long way of telling you that <laughs> I don't recommend building things in a pandemic. The other really 
like less than fortunate thing is that right after uh, I had ordered the building package, we had a pretty big tor um, tornado here in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, and like it, and so building supplies and people who can do like subcontracting or anything else, like our like building supplies tripled. Also, I think pr pandemic related as well, building supplies tripled and like no one's available to do anything. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, definitely 10 out of 10 wouldn't recommend um, trying to do any of this during a, a pandemic uh, or when, you know, things are, are uncertain in any way. But you know what? It doesn't kill us, makes us stronger, apparently. Um, that yeah. is true. Yeah, yeah. Figure out ability, adapt and overcome and all that kind of stuff. That's Absolutely. right. But what? I will say through all that, it sounds like I'm whining and I really am not because I'm so thankful that my friends were able to step up and I'm also thankful beyond measure for the experiences that we've had. It has been, it's challenged and stretched me in every single way because amidst also trying to build that, we also just moved to an enormous farm and also I'm still trying to run my business. And so working full-time doing that, and then also full-time trying to get the farm set up and then trying to fit another full-time thing into that in building the, uh, building the building has been a challenge to say the least. But it, I, I mean, would I have it another way? Would I have it an easier way? Probably, but, <laughs> I, but I really am so thankful for the experience. And like, ultimately, as soon as we get the roof on and my stress level of all of my money literally rotting in the Tennessee winter uh, goes away, then I think that we'll be, we'll be par for the course on unhappiness. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Well, if I didn't live so far away in Northern Illinois, I would happily come help. Um, Cause that sounds really a heck of an undertaking. I mean, just like you said, that anxiety alone, just taking that leap of, you know what, we're just going to do this. And yeah, unfortunately, you just got to sometimes ride the tide, as, as the old saying goes. How, uh, how bad are the winters in Tennessee? Um, well, comparatively, which is uh, a huge part of why we are here and not no longer in the Pacific Northwest, they're not that bad at all. Mm. I mean, it like freezes sometimes and it may have a light dusting of snow every once in a while. But other than that, it's I mean, it's 79 degrees yesterday and sunny. It was right. so amazing. So yeah. And then, I mean, I haven't been here through the month of December yet, but January we had, again, some cold days, but like mostly it's, it, 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 we have torrential downpours. That is the one different thing is that we get a lot of water all at once. And so uh, that is, you know, it is a thing. Yeah. You guys kind of got thrown off with the setting and the post and that kind of stuff due to a bunch of rain, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we had we just had like just again some bad luck because the the tornado definitely brought in a lot of um, nasty weather patterns, and then just rain and rain and rain, and then it was too soupy to work out there. Um, but also, that's like trying to build in the springtime. I think pretty much anywhere you're at, it'll, you'll be faced with a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I ran into that on a very much much smaller scale this past spring when I attempted to build a wood fence around my entire yard in between weather issues and then I don't know what it was uh, you know the local I guess big, big box hardware store that I had to go through for all my lumber because it's the only place you can really go to in this area was running into massive shortages of lumber a because of production sure. and b because of demand because all these people were off work and thought well I'll go yeah. ahead and get that project done now yeah and then there's like no lumber anywhere and you're like oh geez Louise 
Well, that is absolutely, that, that's interesting. I, I was in Tennessee once a long time ago and it was mostly just passing through. My wife has family who live in Kentucky. So you kind of end up in that sort of crosswise period. Um, was there an extent, extensive search for you? And I'm going back to um, when you were in Seattle. The move? Like, yeah, the move. Was there an extensive search to find like the right property or how'd that process uh, work? Yes and no. I mean, we were not, we, I think it was between like Phoenix, Austin, uh, Cleveland, and Tennessee. And Cleveland lost out really quickly much to my chagrin because I mean some of my friends Megan Fitzpatrick and Chris Schwartz are up up there in that area and I was very excited about the prospect of being there but they have much harsher winters and I yeah. think Adam and I both really love the heat and so I think we were definitely much more interested in the Phoenix Austin Nashville area and so then it came to once we decided on Tennessee and the Nashville area, then it was just um, what area did we want to be in. And ironically, we were actually just here to visit Adam's little sister. And while we were here, a buddy of mine called me about this property and was like, hey, come over right now. Like it's going to sell by the end of the day. And sure enough, it did. And it was to us. Oh, wow. How big of an acreage is it there? Um, I don't talk about that publicly because oh. of uh, safety reasons. Yeah. Um, but it's, much larger than what we had in Seattle. <laughs> the um, so when you were um, in Seattle, back to that, I think um, that was that. Was there any kind of interest with, or I should say, interesting looks when you attempted to sell your house there by people coming and look at it and being like, "Oh, the backyard is a farm." Um, no, well, the suburban house that we initially had, uh, like uh six years ago that we, that we were selling six years ago uh we did some quick pivots to undo a lot of that stuff mm -hmm. prior to the sale and um quite miraculously it sold very quickly and you know we ended up doing fine financially from it despite my attempts to fully ruin the property values um and uh but the one in seattle or like but the farm that we ended up selling just like when we moved here uh to tennessee that one was very clearly a farm and i like i mean the only people that would be interested in it were people that were interested in doing a little bit of what i do and ultimately we found the absolute perfect buyers because what a lot of the things that I had done, like converting all of the buildings into shop space and renovating the barn the way that I had so that it would be optimized for raising animals and having an an acre garden that you know would be <laughs> a lot to take care of for most people and and you know the tiny house that I'd built like there was a lot of potential liabilities there, but the guy who bought it was always wanted a blacksmith shop, restores old tractors for his hobby and owns a door building company and had always wanted to have miniature donkeys, alpacas, and goats. And his wife is a master gardener and a painter. And so they turned the tiny house into an art studio for her and have been having the absolute time of their lives on that property. And, you know, it was literally perfect for them and perfect for us because it just worked out. Oh, fantastic. That, that is really cool. <laughs> I wonder about that a lot because uh, my, my wife and I, we've been in our house here for 10 years and a while back I, I built a 5,000 gallon fish pond in the backyard 
and it's absolutely beautiful. It's got a deck around it. Kids, kids love it. But you know, what made me ask that question is that's, it's sort of the thing is when we, if we get to a point in the future, we decide to sell the house, we don't know if that's going to become an issue or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people look at something like that and go, Oh, that is so cool. I've always wanted one of them. Or it's a detractor where they say, I'd love to buy this house, but I really don't want to deal with that fish pond in the backyard. And so you're debating like, when you put the house on the market, do you tear it up and fill it all in and landscape over it? Or do you just kind of test the market and see where it goes? So that, 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 that's interesting. What, um, out of everything that you do, what's the one you enjoy doing the most? Um, I like, that's kind of a t hard thing to answer be because it really is actually whatever it is that I'm acting that I'm doing at the time. Like people always uh, point this out in my videos. I always say, this is my absolute favorite thing <laughs> because when I'm saying that, it's actually true. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like asking me what my favorite food is. It's like, well, what food am I making right now? This is my absolute favorite food. Mm -hmm. And so it's really tough to say there. I mean, it's funny because I was just talking, my parents are um, here kind of indefinitely due to the pandemic, which I'm not, sad about it all um and I was talking to my mom about this yesterday and I was like you know what like it's been a really tough season for me because like I'm literally putting everything that I have into building a woodworking school I mean it's going to teach a lot more than just woodworking but I'm like but I don't know if I really like woodworking anymore because it's been so long since I've done it mm -hmm. that I I'm like what if I'm <laughs> what if I'm doing all of this and like I don't even like it when I'm done yeah <laughs> um and so, and, but that's definitely not the case. I mean, as soon as I have the opportunity to like be at my bench again and like things are, are where they need to be. And I have, you know, the mind space to do that stuff. I'm going to absolutely love it again. So, uh, but I would say that the one thing, the one thing that I probably love the most is, is farming stuff. Uh, I love what I love to be able to see, like physically see what I've accomplished in a day. So things like chopping firewood. I love because you cut down a tree and then you have an enormous pile of firewood at the end of the day. And then you can think about like all of the fires and the, the family memories that you're going to create while you're doing that. And um, yeah, so that kind of stuff. And I mean, obviously like, you know, I love when baby animals are born and all those kinds of things, as long as it goes smoothly and it doesn't end up in a lot of tears, which is also quite frequent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. Uh, well, that's, that's really cool. Well, I, um, I want to, once again, thank you for coming on the podcast. I, I, yeah. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Um, the thing, and I said this earlier, but I, I think it's important to reiterate is that I absolutely love the, um, the amount of passion and enthusiasm you bring to it. Um, because I think that makes you a really, really great ambassador for what it is you're doing. And I think in a lot of ways, um, the whole what we talked about in terms of the stepping outside someone's comfort zone and learning something new that when you have someone sort of there as a role model who's really passionate and really enthusiastic about it it, it gives you a really good feeling about saying you know what yeah that's that's true I'm, I'm absolutely going to do it so um i i definitely appreciate you from that perspective well and, thank you and everybody who's out there um continue to follow and if you aren't already Definitely look up Anne of All Trades, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Do you do Twitter at all? I do do Twitter, but uh, you'll find my snarkiest and least uh, family-friendly self there. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Although it's still very, it's always still going to be wholesome because it's me. But right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I tend to be a lot more snarky there than people expect <laughs> on other platforms. Also, Fair. TikTok, don't forget my newest explosion. Oh, yeah. Are you on TikTok? Oh, you know what? I'm a dancing queen, so. Oh, see, I haven't taken the TikTok plunge yet. I've never downloaded the app. I've never really looked into it, but everybody, well, it feels like multiple yours. times a day. Keep your safety and your sanity and uh, just stay, <laughs> stay away from that. <laughs> well, now I have to. Now you've talked I me mean... into it, so. <laughs> well, all right. Well, once again, um, I've said it a million times. I'll keep saying it. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll keep following you and keep on the progress. And you just keep on keeping on, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I uh -huh. uh, really enjoyed the chat this morning. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Talk to you later. <laughs> So that was the podcast I did with Anne of All Trades. Um, I really appreciate her coming on the podcast. That was, conversation was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I really look up to her. She's a really good sense of, um, or feeling of inspiration and motivation to go do something. Go do something you've never done before. Go try it out. Get outside your comfort zone. Learn as you go. And as she says, and I believe wholeheartedly, figure out ability is a thing. You will figure it out. You will get better at it. And you will enjoy the process getting there. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. If you could please like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Tell a friend. Tell them to tell a friend. Write it on your Christmas cards when you send it to people. Hey, Finn Show's awesome. Check it out. That would be cool. Also, if you're listening to this on an Apple device, up in the corner there's a spot to leave a review. If you could do that, that would be amazing. Every little bit of that helps. So thank you so much. I love all of you. Take care of each other. We'll catch you next time.